Come on, James River. Let's give God some praise. Can we clap our hands? Hasn't he been good? Hasn't he been faithful? Wow, wow, wow. I'm excited about today. Hey, why don't you take your seat at all of our locations? We're so, so glad you are here. If you're a first-time guest at James River, you just need to know that you're a part of a fantastic church, a fantastic place, and I want you to keep coming back week after week after week after week. And those who've been coming to James River for a long time, I encourage you, don't sit on the sidelines. Go to Growth Track. Make sure you jump on this journey. Let's go ahead and push this vision forward because God's got some great things he wants to do in this amazing life-giving church. Now, James River, you, uh, those who've been coming for a while, you know you've got the South Campus, uh, and you've got the North Campus, and you've got, probably going to have an East and a Mars Campus soon as well. We've got Joplin. But today, actually joining in with James River is my church, Shoreline City, as well. So Shoreline City, we give you love. We've got our three campuses in Dallas and our campus in Antigua, Guatemala that is joining us as well. And I am so, so excited about today. So James River, you have some cousins in the other part of the world, brothers and sisters in another part of the country and world that are on, on your side, in your corner. And we're so glad we all get to be together uh, today. I need to first give tremendous honor to the amazing leaders of James River Church, Pastors John and Pastor Debbie. When, when I received the invitation to come to speak at Sizzling Summer, which is so fun, when I got the invitation, I was, you need to know, I was so humbled from the very jump because this church has marked my wife and I's life. Our church, Shoreline City, we have been looking at James River from the very beginning of our church journey. And there is so much depth in this church. There is so much love in this church. There is so much authenticity in this church. There is so much of Jesus in this church. And that starts at the very top. And so I want to say a huge thank you to Pastors John and Pastor Debbie for being the type of people that you are. So I've come here to steal everything we possibly can and bring it back with us to Shoreline City. So Shoreline City will be better as a result. But hey, today we're going to jump into the Bible. You guys okay with that? We're going to jump into the scriptures. We're going to open them up. We don't believe they're like just dead words on a page, but we believe it's the living, active word of God, able to get to the parts of our heart that we don't want anybody else to get into. And God has a plan and an agenda for today. He has a will. He has a desire. He has a design for your life. See, whether you're here at one of our other campuses, I want you to know that God has his eye on you today. So we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures. I mean, a bunch of them. I mean, a, bu I'm a lot of them. A lot of them, okay? We're starting in Genesis. We're going all the way to Revelation. We're going to the maps, okay? We're, we're going all the way through. Maybe not that far, but we're going to be looking at a bunch of scriptures, but we're going to really focus in, really going to focus in on the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Now, these two books were written by the same person. They were written by a doctor, a Gentile doctor named Luke. 
And he wrote this book. He wrote uh, the book of Luke to help us understand, to give an orderly account of everything that happened in Jesus' life. And, and the gospel of Luke is probably my favorite gospel. But we're going to walk through Luke and Acts because he wrote both of these books. So a lot of times in Bible school, they'll connect these two books together. They'll actually call it Luke-Acts. And I've been reading it, and I see a thread See a thread all the way through Luke and Acts that I think is really, really important for my heart and I think really, really important for your heart. And I think God has some things that he is wanting to speak to us today. So I want your heart to be incredibly open to what God wants to do because he is not done with any of us yet. Amen? He still has so much he's wanting to birth on the inside of us. So if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is, you ready? You ready? It might be a little bit inappropriate. Settling is for suckers, not saints. Is that too much? Settling is for suckers, not saints. Turn to your neighbor and say that at all of our locations. Tell them, settling is for suckers, not saints. But tell them you're a saint. You're a saint. You're a saint. That's why I'm saying that. Luke, Luke chapter 2. Let's start on our verse first. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse number 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Uh, the Jewish people were waiting for quite some time for the Savior. There had been so many words of prophecy. There had been so many pictures, so many images given with the prophets of old that a day was coming when a Savior would come into this world. And, and you and I know this Savior to be Jesus. And I know it's not Christmas. And I know this can be a Christmas scripture. I know we like to see little fat eight-pound baby Jesus sitting in the manger. I, I know we, we like to think about the, the sheep and, and the goats and the donkey or whomever were in that manger. And I, I know we, we have that picture in our brain and we really hold on to that for Christmas time. But can I just say he's not just a Christmas time savior? Can I say he's a savior every single day of the week? Can I say he is a savior in the summertime and he's a savior when you're on the mountaintop, but he's also the same savior when you and I are in the valley. He's a savior when the doctor gives us a great report, and he's still the savior when the doctor gives us a terrible, terrible report. The God that we serve is not just a, a summertime God. He is a God that is with us in the winter, and he's with us in the pain, and he's with us in the problems, and this savior of the world showed up on the scene in Luke chapter 2, and he came not just to put burden on people. He came to remove shame, condemnation, guilt, sin, darkness. He came to bring deliverance to every single one of us. So if you are hearing this today and you are carrying any weight, any shame, any guilt, any burden, you need to know that the Savior is present today to remove every burden and destroy every yoke. And you're leaving church today free and whole. Why? Because the preaching is good? No, and I hope I do a good job. But at the end of the day, this thing is not about me. 
And this thing is not about the name James River. And this thing is not about the name Shoreline City. And it's not about your name. And it's not about anybody else's name. It's about the name Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And there is... There is only one name that's been given. There's only one name that's been given whereby mankind can be saved. There is no other name. Nothing else can save us. No one else can save us. We've already watched this. You've, we've already seen people put their hope in their money to save them, and it doesn't work. We've already seen people put their hope in their marriage to save them, and it doesn't work. We've already seen people put their hope in their kids or their, their degree or what part of town they live in, and we've seen people put their hope in all sorts of things to try to save them, and we can look around in Hollywood, we can look at athletes, we can look at our neighbors, and we know, we know salvation does not come from any of those things. There's only one place. There's only one name. And the truth of the matter is, there's not a whole bunch of ways to get to God. There's one door. There's one way, one truth, one life. And his name is Jesus Christ, and he was born a Savior, he died a Savior, and he was raised a Savior, and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's still the same Savior today, and he's not disconnected from us. He is present, and he is here, and he loves you, and he loves me. But there's only one Savior. How many Saviors? How many saviors? Come on, all of our locations. How many saviors? There's only, there's only one savior. There's only one savior. Now, the, the thing that's fascinating is with this one savior, he decided to do something that I don't know that I would have done if I was a savior. Because if I'm God with skin on, I would think I would do everything myself. But he doesn't. He decides then to begin to call and pick people. He begins to choose people to come closer to him. Turn with me now to Luke chapter 6. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Look with me at verse number 12. Luke chapter 6, verse number 12. I'm not making this up. Watch, watch, watch. One of those days, Jesus went out, went out to a mountainside to pray. Like we're about to pray and fast for 21 days. Went out to a mountainside, mountainside to pray. And spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. So this glory, how many saviors do we have? We got one savior. And then he picks how many disciples? 12. So this one savior now picks 12 disciples. I like him picking these people. I like it. Because it tells me that Jesus picks projects, not perfection. <laughs> I like this, okay? Because I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm a project. My wife is probably shouting amen right now. <laughs> I, 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 feel like, I feel like I don't have it all together. 
I feel like, God, why would you pick me? Am I the only one? Aren't there times you wake up and you're like, man, God has been better to me than I deserve. That his goodness and his grace extended towards me is absolutely overwhelming. As many bonehead decisions as I make, and God keeps extending his grace and his love my way, going, man, you fell again, but I'm going to hold you. Hey, you messed up again, but I still got you. I am so thankful for his grace. Uh, I, um, my, my wife and I, we, we just sold, just sold our, our, our home. And, and we've been looking, you know, trying to figure out where we're going to, where we're going to go. And there's a lot of houses we've looked at, and you go into them, and it's just a project. It's just the paint color's off, the floors need to be redone, the roof needs to be redone. I mean, just thing after thing after thing. And I, w- I told Onika one time, I said, honey, honey, I think maybe, maybe I... Maybe I can do this. Maybe we can go in and I can redo a house. Then she reminded me of when we were about four years married, maybe about five, and we moved into a house and we wanted to concrete stain the floors. That's when this was cool, okay? Maybe it's still cool. I don't know. If your house is concrete stained, it's the most beautiful place in the whole world. But... So we go in and we start ripping up the carpet. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a man. I'm a man's man. I got this. I have no tools. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm on YouTube. I'm watching this. I'm like, yeah, he did it in seven minutes in YouTube. I got this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Probably the wrong use of that scripture in this particular moment. So we rip up this carpet. Y'all, I'm still traumatized from what, we, what happened to us. Our whole family had to move out of the house. There were chemicals in the air. I'm convinced I'm growing another toe to this day. But some of you out there, man, if you got a chance to redo something in a house, It's no problem for you at all. It's like you've got the tools. You've got the expertise. You you could have your own DIY show. You were doing DIY before DIY was a thing. You are Home Depot. Your middle name is Home Depot or Lowe's. You are Ace Hardware. You are a man's man or even a woman's man. You got like the belt. You're like, come on. I got this thing. You can take nothing and you can make it something. Some of you can even do this with food. You can take nothing and turn it in to something. Don't you, aren't you glad you got friends like that? They can come over, you go over to their house, like, I'm hungry. Like, oh, okay, let me just whip something up for you real quick. And they're making pasta out of bread, I mean, out of, out of paper towels, and it's like, it tastes good. Like, how, how in the world do we get an eight-course meal out of nothing? I've got friends like that. There are just some people that can look at nothing and can turn it into something. And I'm just letting you know that's the type of Savior that we have. He can look at nothing. He can look at a divorce. He can look at brokenness. He can look at depression. He can look at a bad lifestyle. And he can, what everybody else sees as a project, he says, hey, 
I'm going to take that thing and I'm going to turn it into something else. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for an available people. And if you are willing to say, God, I don't have it all together. God, I have messed up. God, I have made mistakes, but I am interested in the saving power that you have. And my heart is wide open to you. I'm telling you, he will take the most broken person and he'll put them on a firm foundation and he will elevate you to places you never thought possible. Not for your fame, but for his. Can I get a huge amen this week for that truth? Because our God, our God, he, he sees and he loves projects. I used to think he just wanted perfection. And I was waiting for my life to get perfect before I jumped on the journey. Some of you may be waiting for your life to be perfect before you jump on the journey. I can't be a prayer partner. I can't be a connect group or a life group leader. I, I can't go to that growth track thing. I, 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 can't, I can't do that. Let me get some things in order first. Then I will. Hey, let me, let me get my money in order first. And, and then I'll start putting God first in my, in my finances. Let, let me do these other things first. And, and Jesus is looking at you going, hey, hey, I knew you were a project when I picked you. <laughs> I, already, I knew there was mold behind your walls. You know, you know this mold problem that your, your house can look great on the outside but have some junk going on behind the walls? Listen, let me just for a second. You look pretty. You look good. But I've been in church long enough to know we can look good but have mold behind the walls. I know. I've been in church long enough to know pornography is not just a world problem. It's a church problem, too. And I need you to know that Jesus is not looking at you going, I hate you. I'm, I'm against you. I can't stand you. I need you to know that the same Savior that was born those 2,000 years ago is the same Savior today that has taken broken people, people that he knew would turn their back on him, and he picked them anyway because he knew he had the power to transform them from the inside out. That's who our Savior always works with. He actually doesn't have really any other options. <laughs> There's no perfect people walking around, okay? And I know your grandmother might think you're the best person on the entire planet, but we know you're terrible. <laughs> and you do too. And so doesn't Jesus. But he says, my grace is actually stronger than your rebellion. My love is actually wider and deeper than your dark heart. And if you will turn to me, I will cleanse you of your sin and put you on a firm foundation. And people will look at you and they'll think about me because they will know nothing could be transformed except by the mighty hand of a glorious Savior. Starts with one Savior. Then how many disciples? Twelve. Go one, twelve. But then he doesn't, he doesn't stop there. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. 
Luke chapter 10. Go with me to Luke chapter 10. Verse number 1. Verse number 1. Luke chapter 10. Verse number 1. It says, after this, the Lord appointed 72. How many? How many? 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. From 1 to 12 to 72. These 72 come back. Look with me in verse number 17. Verse number 17. The 72, uh, the 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. How many saviors do we have? What? Then he picked how many disciples? And now we see how many? 72, 1 to 12, there's 72. He sends these 72 out, two by two, two by two. I like the power of that. I like that we're getting from our Savior. You need to be in community. I like that our Savior is letting us know, don't do life alone. I like that our Savior is letting us know, hey, you're awesome and you're strong, but you need somebody to have your back. You need somebody who's your wingman. Every Batman needs a Robin. Everybody needs someone right there by your side. I love even here at James River that we have this moment where people come forward and we got couples standing together ready to pray for people when they come forward saying hey well we've got your back we're standing by your side we'll hold up your arms for you there is something powerful about this two by two by two by two by two don't let the enemy isolate you don't let them put so much shame on you that you think you need to figure it all out on your own. And then when you figure it out, you'll come back into the family of God. No, my friends, that is not what God has for you. There is power in you staying planted. There is power in you staying surrounded. There is power in you staying covered to have some other men or women that have been through some hell just like you're going through hell right now. And they can let you know, I thought I was over. I thought it was done for me. I thought there was no way in the world my marriage could ever be put back together. But God in his grace and his mercy, he came in and he flooded and he put some things together that I thought would be broken forever. You need to be reminded of that. And when you're alone, your mind will play tricks on you. But if you can be in community, you can have some people around you reminding you that God is for you and not against you. That God loves you and he's ready to pick you up and put you on that firm foundation but you gotta stay in the family you gotta stay in community two by two by two by two by two by two by two married couple don't do it alone single person don't do this Christian walk alone. Two by two by two. You're not strong enough. Two by two by two. You, you, don't, you, don't, know, you don't know all your blind spots. Two by two by two by two. I used to think the Lord had me get married to make me happy. 
And I am happy. But I don't think that's the primary reason. <laughs> I think it's more to make me holy. <laughs> right? Somebody else to help me. But, but, but it's amazing what my wife can see in my life that I can't see. It's amazing. It's amazing how having another perspective helps you. Single people, you don't have to figure it all out on your own. You can have a family around you that will have your back. So these 72, they come back and they're dancing. They are in a sizzling summer and they are dancing. They are happy. They're like, oh my goodness, God just used us. God just used us in a mighty way. And Jesus says, hey, just so you know, I saw that liar Satan fall from, fall from heaven. I saw him fall like lightning. And I want you to know, you as my hands and feet, you have authority over all the darkness that would ever try to come against you. You have authority in your home. You have authority in your business. You have authority in your mind. You have authority in your family. You have authority in your neighborhood. Matter of fact, you have authority over an entire region. I dare to say you have authority over an entire nation. As a matter of fact, I'll take it a step further. I'm giving you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions. Matter of fact, the whole world, since it belongs to your God, he's given you authority. You go everywhere you possibly can and you make it on earth as it is in heaven. Don't you dare shrink back. I did not put my hand on you for you to shrink back. It's time for you to stand up and be who I've called you to be. I want you to recognize that my hand is on your life for such a time as this. So anywhere there's brokenness, I want you speaking my word. I want you declaring my truth. I want you sharing my love. And when you do that, you're going to see amazing things happen. But I don't want you just getting pumped up about that. I want you pumped up that I wrote your name. I wrote your name. I wrote your name in heaven. Last night I went to a great restaurant. It was awesome. It was awesome. I went to a great restaurant. And you go in and great restaurants, they ask you, do you have a reservation? You give them your name, like, yes, I see, I see you right here. I got a seat for you. Well, when you go to a really nice restaurant, you don't have a reservation, you better know somebody. <laughs> when we went to that restaurant, our name was already written down. He's saying, I just want you to know your name is already written in heaven. Can you just be, can you be happy that I know you? Can you be happy that you're mine? Can you be, can you be satisfied knowing that I'm on your side? Can you be satisfied knowing that your soul is now a part of me and with me forever? Can you, is that enough for you? So here, glorious Savior is, he starts off as, as one. Then he goes to 12. And he goes to 72. You think that'd be enough? But it's not. He keeps it going. Go with me to Acts. Acts. I got a flip there. Acts chapter 2. Or chapter 1, rather. Acts chapter 1. Look with me in verse number 4. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. On one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, 
which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Skip down with me to verse number 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 15, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about how many? How many? 120. So it starts with how many saviors do we have? One. We got one savior. Then it goes to how many disciples? Twelve. And then it goes to how many? And now it's how many? One, two, so it goes from one, it starts with one savior. He picks 12 disciples. Then it goes to 72. And then it's at 120. And he's telling these 120, I need you to wait. I need you to wait. I need you to wait. There's a promise coming. There's some power coming. There, there is a transformation coming. I'm letting you know that what I'm calling you to do, you can't do it in your own strength and power. The second you and I sign up to be followers of Jesus Christ, you need to know that you are already in over your head. You can't manage this God. You and I cannot manage this Savior. You and I cannot take God, put him in a little box and say, hey, let me control you. If you can control your God, then you are the God he is not. So this God of ours says, hey, 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 I'm going to call you to live a supernatural life. I'm going to call you to do the impossible. I'm going to call you to go further than you ever thought you could go, do more than you ever thought you can do, love bigger than you ever thought you could live. As a matter of fact, I'm going to call you to forgive people that stab you in the back. I'm going to call you to lay down your life for people that are trying to step all over you. I'm going to call you to show mercy when people are giving you hate. I'm going to call you to do things that are so against your natural inclination but I'm not going to ask you to do this in your own power. What I'm going to do is I'm actually going to fill you with my spirit. I'm actually going to fill you with my power. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit so everywhere you go you will begin to operate in another dimension not because you're so great but because you've got some fuel on the inside of you that's not from this world. It comes from another world. As a matter of fact I'm going to open up heaven and the spirit of God is going to come down and he's going to sit on you like cloven tongues of fire and you're going to go into all the world and you're going to be my witnesses and the whole world will be turned right side up because I'm on the inside of you. 120. And then this room praying, 120. Then this room praying, you think, oh man, my... My, my life group, my connect group is small. What can do, what can happen? I'm telling we're from one to 12 to 72 to now 120. But he doesn't even stop just with the 120. He doesn't even stop with the 120 because then they are in this upper room and they're praying and they're praying and they're praying and they're praying. And this moment, this powerful moment takes place. This powerful moment takes place. Turn with me to Acts. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Go with me to Acts uh, chapter 2. Flip the page, Earl. Acts chapter 2, and they're here, and the Holy Spirit shows up in a powerful way. 
And when he shows up, everyone thinks that God's kids are drunk. Okay? But look with me in verse number 14. Then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. This is verse number 14. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose, okay? It's only nine in the morning. Now maybe in Dallas they're getting drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. I don't know about Missouri. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. This is not just a man thing, and this is not just a woman thing. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see dreams, and your old men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Skip with me down to our last verse for today. Verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about how many? How many? 3,000 were added to their number that day. That day. That day. That day. It started with how many? It started with how many? It went to how many? Went to how many? Went to how many? Then it went to how many? It went from 1 to 12 to 72 to 120 to 3,000. Do you know that the book of Acts has no ending? It does not have like a bye-bye, I'll see you later. It's because the book of Acts is still being written this day that the baton has been passed to me and you as a church, and we are now the extension of all that took place here. So that's why I'm saying settling is for suckers, not saying because our Savior could have stopped with just himself but he said no I want to empower I want to pour into I want to use people that think they cannot be used I want to touch people that think they cannot be touched I want to resurrect people that are dead I want to take the lost and I want to make them found I want to take people that are blind and I want to help them see I'm going to restore I'm going to heal I'm going to bless I'm going to lift and I'm going to do this not just from the beginning I'm going to do it all the way to the very end and now it is our turn to lead church it's our turn no one else is coming no one else is coming to your job. That's why God has you there. No one else is coming to your family. That's why God has you there. No one else is coming to your community. That's why God has you there. And this power of the Spirit, this is not just for Sunday morning life. This is for everyday life. This is for boardroom life. This is for mom playgroup life. This is for basketball team life. This is for gaming life. This is for wherever you might be. The God of heaven says, I want to fill you. I want to touch you. I want to pour into you. I want to rearrange you and put you on a firm foundation. Church family, all of our campuses, all over the place, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor just for a moment. I ask everyone to bow your heads just for a moment. I'm going to ask everyone to go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. We don't do this because this is uh, mystical or special. We actually just do this so you can focus. 
If you're here today and you feel God tugging at your heart and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ or maybe you're here today and there was a time where Jesus was first but life has happened and you found yourself actually running away from him instead of running to him, this is your moment. I'm going to ask you to do something very simple yet something very bold. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to just shoot up your hand for those who are wanting to surrender their heart to Christ for the very first time but also to those who want to rededicate their heart and life. I'm not asking, do you have a Bible? I'm not asking, do you come to church? I'm asking, is your life surrendered to him? So church family, on the count of three, if you want to surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ, shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. I want Jesus to be first in my life. Church family, let's all put our hand over our heart. And let's repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for forgiving me all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you can lift your heads. Let's clap our hands for those who have given their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ. I promise you, your life will never be the same.